0: Hola. Hello! Bienvenidos, Bienvenidos a Dos. a podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. I'm Monica. And I'm Paula. Welcome to Entre Dos, a
1: podcast about raising bilingual children.
0: Identity and place can sometimes be abstract notions. They can define who we are in every way while also remaining elusive. In the process of integrating two or more cultures, we are coming to terms with the things that we're okay with, the things we're not okay with, and the things that are inevitable.
1: In this episode, we explore the intricacies of this experience with author Sabri Ken Rajiv. Sabri is a first generation Indian American of Sikh descent. She's a full time social science researcher and holds an MA in sociology from the University of Maryland. Baltimore County and a BA in sociology from the University of Maryland College Park. She is currently completing her doctorate at the University of Baltimore.
0: We talk with Sabri about her book Generation Zero, which tackles her family's immigration story in America. One thing that we loved about the book is that it is written from the point of view of the child. Sabri takes us through her struggles while also keeping her own parents' experience in perspective. It's a fascinating dance that many of us can relate to. Our first question to Sabri was about her bilingual upbringing. Here's what she said.
2: language is so important and there's so many nuances with language like the way it's actually spoken the um, emphasis on different words that it can teach you a lot about a culture um, whether that be um, in my perspective Punjabi or the American culture I know that I didn't really realize that I was speaking two different languages until I went to school (laughs) you know what I mean so it's kind of like my parents, what they initially decided was that they're just going to teach us Punjabi because where am I going to go to learn Punjabi? There aren't like really schools out there for that. I guess I could go to like, um, you know, like the Sikh Gurdwara and they could teach it to me. But even if you think about like one language, there's different dialogues of that language. And depending on what town you're from or what kind of geographical location that language is at, um, the way you speak it is different. So it's kind of like, my parents are like, we're just going to speak it to you the way it's been taught to us and you're going to learn. And I remember that conversation came up like after I actually went to school. Well, I know like you learned a lot of stuff through the television, you know, being like an immigrant family, even learning English. Like my mom has a master's in English, but her English is very different than English here. So it's like, she never spoke to us in English, but she told us like, you're going to learn that later and watch this TV because it's teaching you how to speak the accent, how it's, supposed to be and we didn't really kind of think too much of it like I just know when I talked to my mom and my dad that I was talking in Punjabi like I didn't even realize it and then when I was talking to my brother I always talked to him in English but when I went to school you know it was interesting because it was the first time I realized that not only do I am I speaking in different accents in that actual language but also it's so ingrained in me to speak differently that sometimes I don't actually know the English language correctly it's whatever the slang or whatever I've learned <laughs> through the television it's like you know you can say how's your day or you can say what's up so it's you know for me I was like what's up uh, they're like what are you talking about <laughs> like that's not how you properly talk English so it's like you're like wait so there's different ways to learn English but um I just remember you know for me like I think one of the greatest gifts my parents have given me is just like not teaching me English because I was able to really like learn Punjabi at the grassroots level and it's something that I carry on even till this day so like when I talk to my whole side of the family I try to make it a conscious effort to talk in Punjabi but like our Punjabi is kind of mixed so it's kind of like Punjabi and English you know like one full sentence in Punjabi is very hard to say now to me because I'm <laughs> so bilingual in that um, but it's like but if I talk to my grandma and stuff like that I make a conscious effort to talk in Punjabi and I wouldn't know how to do that if it wasn't for my parents but I've also noticed that, you know, like I mentioned my elementary school experience a little bit. It was like the first time where I felt different as well. Where, when I interact with people that are of, like, you know, speak Punjabi, I realize there's some differences in our language. But it's like okay, it's not really like well known. But when I talk about English, when I went when I went to elementary school, like my English was just off. It wasn't. I wasn't speaking it properly. I mean, I, I knew how to like read English a little bit, but not really. So I was obviously put in ESOL classes and it kind of like shocked me like, hey, there's all these other kids, because I am in Queen I was living in Queens. So, you know, it's a melting pot. Everyone else looks around like like you. So I look around and I'm like, why are like a lot of the kids that I that look like me in different like English, normal English classes, but I'm in ESOL. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I kind of felt a little off and I felt like there's something wrong with me in that regard. But Just like the whole understanding of the language concept has been really interesting because when I talk in English, you know, to people that, you know, speak English in a native language and the first language, I talk as properly as I can. But if I talk to people who speak Punjabi or any other ethnicity that, you know, there's some kind of accent involved in talking English, especially in Punjabi I've somehow the way that I talk English to people in Punjabi I've adapted their accent so it's like when I talk in English it's not really English it has an accent to it so I just find that really fascinating because that's not something that was taught to me but something I've picked up and I still carry on to this day
1: is that what you were referring to in the book when you talked about having two accents growing up like you had your home accent and your school accent
2: yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like I have my home accent and I have my school accent. So it's kind of like in that variation, like I'm just talking about English. So it's kind of like, you know, when I went home, I don't want anything to be lost in communication. And sometimes when you <laughs> are speaking in a different language, if you speak it so properly in one language, like there's things that are just lost in communication. And if you think about just English in general and how it's communicated and how it's like received to like other immigrant populations, and I'll just talk about the South Asian experience. Sometimes it's hard even understanding it because the accents are so different. You might feel a little bit different. Um, You know, I know in mainstream media, the Indian accent is, you know, comical, you know? So I just was really sensitive, even at that young age, that I wanna talk to somebody in the way that they understand me, including the accent. So it's um, not meaning that I'm better than you or worse than you, you know? I just wanna make sure that you understand that we're at, we're at the same level so when I would come home I was so afraid to miscommunicate something because you really can in uh if you have an accent in different things like I want to say respectfully how was your day instead of like fit in a different way where it might be slang and I might my parents are going to be like why are you talking to us this way so it's kind of like I just adapted to like whatever accent that they had in order to make sure that they understood me and i met met them at the bridge that they were at and not having them climb to the bridge that i was already at you know what i mean i didn't even realize i was doing the two different accent thing until like one of my my boyfriend told me at the time like why do you speak so differently on the phone to your mom in english but when you're talking to me (laughs) you're speaking very differently What what is happening and he's also like indian so like you know, I made a guy that actually speaks a different language, so we don't actually talk in Punjabi. Um, He speaks Malayalam, which India has a lot of different languages. It's very complicated. But um, so we talk in English all the time. And I remember when talking to him about that, I was like, do you do this to your parents? And uh, he identified like, yes, there's certain things that I actually do that with my parents, because it's like, I don't want to be lost in translation. But it's just like, it's kind of like an autopilot thing. It's just like, you just want to, even though no one told me to do it, even when my mom would sometimes hear me talk to her in a different way, she would say, you don't have to talk to me that way. (laughs) You know, you could talk to me the way you talk to everybody else, but I'm like, no, I want to make sure like you understand. She's like, I really do understand, but also you don't have to talk to me that way. I just, I've been like thinking about that a lot recently. And then just, it's something that I still can't turn off. Like, especially with like the older generation, whether it be my grandparents and older aunts and uncles that I speak speak to in Punjabi, um, I still do that. And I can't, help myself, but I'm so aware about it that I try to, but it's, it's just what I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and um, one of the things that really stood out to both Paula and I, we were actually talking about this before you jumped in, because we related to it so much um, in the chapter, the, the follow a gut feeling when you're talking about your family's move to Baltimore, right? Um, and we thought the reasons behind it were really interesting because it was like, you know, your parents were realizing that you might be becoming, you and your brother were becoming too American, but at the same time, they were moving you to an, I would say, even more American environment, <laughs> if you think about the canon, right? <laughs> and then, and 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 on top of that, you know, this is something that every parent raising a bilingual and bicultural child experiences, you know, that dance of like, you you know. I want you to be this, but but not too much because I still want you to identify with my culture and I, and you know and it's and even as a parent you don't really understand the parameters of that. It's not clear yet. You have like this sort of like crisis, you know, that's happening, and your child is just receiving that, and you know, you have to learn how to manage it. But I feel like that that was so interesting, and and I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about about that.
2: I think like. Following a gut feeling was probably like one of my favorite chapters because it just talks about the resiliency of like immigrant parents and just how they're so brave <laughs> in so many different aspects of their lives that I just I can't fathom just picking up everything that I know and just moving to Florida tomorrow. Why would I do that? That makes no sense to me. But, you know, it's they're really quick to identify and um, you know, adapt to something if they if it just doesn't feel right. And I feel like it's exactly what you said, it's just like becoming too American. So there's like this like delicate balance, I feel like, especially with immigrant parents, and people that come from like bicultural language and like identities and stuff. They're just, we want you to be as American as you want to be. But also, you know, (laughs) there's this heritage about you, you know, we are Indian. um, So we want to make sure that, you know, you keep some of the culture with you. But, you know, making sure that you understand, like, there's some American values that don't really resonate well with our culture, like for example, in the South Asian culture or South Asian culture, it's all about the collective. So it's like the family, um, the nuclear family is really important. The extended family is really important. If I have something that I want to voice as an individual, it's kind of like <laughs> you need to be silent because, <laughs> you know, the duty of the family and like the cultural obligation to your family is way more important than anything that you could do. But if you see it from the American lens, it's flipped. It's like all about the eyes, all about what you want and family comes afterwards. So it's, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that was making my parents a little uneasy. So it's like becoming, because they were immigrant parents and they were seeing the two, two American influence that they were really concerned about is just like eradicating the family influence and how important family can be for you. Um, they're like, we, we got to get out of here because <laughs> a lot of other, you know, Indian people were like, their kids were growing up. They were very independent and there's something wrong with being independent, but um, they're also exercising or like just making sure their parents, their, their, you know, their struggles and how they were resonating with them, that didn't make any sense anymore. So it's kind of like, because they were competing against being too American or being too Indian, like a lot of like immigrant children and like first generation children, they just like automatically closed one door. Um, So my parents were like, we're just going to get up, we're going to move out of Queens even though it was like the most diverse place that i would ever been in my life and we moved to Baltimore like um Baltimore County which is not Baltimore City so it was a little safe but um <laughs> talking about just like how everyone around me was they didn't look like me it was very isolating if anything it was really American <laughs> and you know understanding how that experience was like has been something that I've struggled with a lot but it's just like it's it's, it goes back to the one thing and one thing only. It's like kind of going back to like the, the way like language is spoken as well, but it's like, what aspects of your culture are you gonna in, like infuse into your identity? How you speak it, how you communicate with it, uh, your culture and what aspects are you gonna reject? And sometimes um, the biggest thing my dad told me was that he was just afraid that we wouldn't, we wouldn't think for ourselves, <laughs> like, you know, depending on the peer, uh, the peer group we were in, whatever they were doing, you would just do. And he just wanted to remove that. So we could independently think like, hey, what aspects of the South Asian culture do we like? And what what aspects of the white culture do we like? Um, And then we could, you know, kind of like intertwine that and understand it from a perspective that makes it both unique to us as individuals of an immigrant family, but also we're able to pick the best things from both cultures.
0: You know, one thing that sort of connects to that a little bit is... um... When you talked about the the smart Indian stereotype, which um, stereotypes in general for immigrants and and you know people rate being raised into cultures, you know they can create a real combative relationship, right, with both cultures, and it creates a bit of like a, uh, like an existential crisis for a person, because it's like you don't fit in anywhere really, t- according to those stereotypes. And as a, a when you're younger, you assume you you don't have that confidence to push back necessarily all the time. And, you know, we see that a lot with, you know, our Latinx community. You know, we we, we have some of our listeners that don't speak Spanish because they grew up in an environment where it just wasn't possible you know, the school, school, no bilingual schools, and their parents wanted them to assimilate, right? And they feel like the, the Latin community, right, you know, rejects that. And then <laughs> the American community expects them to speak Spanish because they're Hispanic. It's this whole sort of mess, right? And you can't be right, no matter what you do. And, and you know, can you talk a little bit about that sort of experience, um, how that was for you?
2: I. Yeah such a fascinating experience because I feel like regardless of whatever stereotype uh, impacts you um, this can affect you in any way like the way that you mentioned and the for us for South Asians I think you know I'm not trying to speak of, for all South Asians but um, if, in particular Indians um, you know there's like this smart Indian concept um, it's a stereotype because you know unfortunately for I don't know what reason <laughs> we're considered the model minority um, and there's like a myth around it and for a lot of a good portion of the immigration history and centuries, like we've been using it to our advantage. And I think until recently have has the community realized like, hey, this is not okay and they should speak up about it. And that stereotype is very detrimental to the community. And furthermore to everyone else in the immigrant experiences because it talks about, you know, you're only able to highlight uh, the positive aspects of it, but you don't, you also, um, eradicate the experiences of people who don't fit that stereotype and a lot of people don't fit that stereotype so if you think about the smart indian concept it's just like everyone's a doctor everyone's a lawyer (laughs) everyone has their crap together (laughs) um they come from privilege and you know it's easier for them to go up in the social status uh, system in america because they come from money they, they have privilege and it's easier for them to just it's like transferable skills essentially but um if you know anything about the stereotype, it's always false. <laughs> and there's so many people in the South Asian community, as well as in Indian community that don't fit that stereotype. The families might be from blue collar backgrounds. They might not have enough money to come over here. They might be coming over here illegally. It really depends. But it's just like thinking about that from, you know, the lens of the smart eating concept is here you are in a country where the box of like what it needs to be needed is just one box. You're either smart or you're not. And in the American lens, it's like, hey, you must be a smart Indian. So you already don't need this much help. You probably don't need help at school as much. Your parents are going to help you out. You know, if you're applying for financial aid, if you're applying for scholarships, it's kind of not understood. Like, don't you already have money? <laughs> like, well, what's happening to all those, all those aspects that are so complicated? So the, the biggest thing that I think anyone in that like, identif- like, in that identity learn is like silence. Is like to be silent because you don't fit that stereotype can... Um, you know, can can really impact you as you're growing up as an individual. Um, And I think the biggest thing that I, it's it's such a crisis because you don't really realize it until you kind of choose what kind of um, identities you want to uphold. So, like, I know later on in my life, I was like, you know what, I want to be both Indian and I want to be both American, but I want to choose the aspects of my Indian identity and I want to choose the aspects of my American identity, but that comes later in life. When you're living them, it's kind of hard. So it's like... Uh, the best way that I like to describe this like, experience is like the doors. So it's like I open up my Indian door and my experiences are filtered through because I'm a girl. Um, I'm not that smart Indian. Um, so when someone asks me something, okay, like, hey, where are you from? Where's your family from? And it's other South Asian and other Indians. I'm like, oh, well, I'm from Punjab. And they're like, well, what did your parents do? They must be lawyers or something, right? I'm like, "No, well, in typical Punjab, <laughs> there's, you know, a lot of people come from farming backgrounds. So that's not really the case here. And they just don't really understand the kind of Indian that you are. So then I'm like, okay, well, they don't understand, depending on who I'm talking to. Only other Punjabi people understand. So I close that door and I almost like, you know, erase anything about me that's Punjabi and just try to be Indian. You know what I mean? Because there's different facets to that. When I open the American door, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm smart. I have all these privileges and stuff, right? And I realized then when I open it that, it's such a disadvantage that I actually don't have any of those things. And the only thing that resonates with me the most is that other blue collar working collar families and their struggles and how they uphold themselves from the bootstrap is the only thing that makes me American. So it's like this constant, like opening and closing of both doors and like, I don't fit into anything. And then like creating the third door for myself, like this is where I actually fit in now.
1: Yeah. And I think that's such a common, um, well, it's, it's a common experience for, immigrants of any background and um it's in fact when we were starting this podcast we were going to call it something like neither from here or there because there is that um kind of not fitting in anywhere and ending up I suppose you have to create your own (laughs) your own um door like you said and like the one thing that I grew to learn about later in life is that
2: Because there's so much friction between those two really distinct separate doors that there are some experiences that I just kind of like, you know, left alone. Like, I didn't want to be too Indian. I didn't want to be too Punjabi because I just felt like that wasn't acceptable. And I couldn't be too American either. So I wasn't too much of anything. So I was never authentically myself. So I don't know what I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, it's difficult. (laughs)
0: you know and and one thing that you know it's it, it in the book uh, throughout the book you are you demonstrate a lot of very deep empathy and respect for your parents um and i think that's beautiful um i think it's so so important and it feels like you you know you really you really have sort of understood your experience and I mean you're a researcher so you this is the kind of thing right that you, you you're you really thinking deeply about these things but it's it's a it's it's a great perspective right because some people with an experience um, like the one that you have might have some sort of like conflict with their parents and maybe you do, but I feel like at the end of the day, you de- you understand and you have empathy for what they went through, which is essential, right? Because at one point your parents become people. They're not your parents, they're your parents, but they're reason- re- people outside of you that make, you know, they're human. And, and one of the things that I wanted to um, sort of ask is, did you always feel that empathy? And it's important because, as, as you know, when you're raising bicultural children, like we are, sometimes we wonder like, oh my God, is my kid gonna resent us? You know, me, you know, kind of like forcing these things. Or am I forcing it? What do I do? You know, because you're thinking about that as a parent too. And, and, and later in the book, your dad, the conversation you have with your dad about your your marriage is fascinating because he understood it all. He knew what he was doing. He understood that, but he was also living in his own personal crisis, raising children in America. So did you ever have moments maybe in your teenage years or where you were sort of like, I'm done.
2: (laughs) All of the time. (laughs) I was like a big, I'm done on my forehead. Don't talk to me. I'm the black sheep. You know, my experiences have, you know, it's it's been challenging. I'll be very honest, very vulnerable. It's been very challenging. I think the first thing, the first thing that I had to do was understand where I'm hurting, why, and what is are these conversations that I'm really trying to avoid, because at the end of the day, um, you know, being an immigrant family, there's a lot of like generational trauma that your parents are experiencing that they're passing on to you inadvertently. They are not even aware. And there's this affliction that you feel learning two different cultures, and they're also learning, too. Like, they're also as American as me because they're in America with me. And when, I, when they go back to India, I can see how American they are, but how much they're like rejecting it. But having empathy and, like, kindness first has to come from within. I feel like, for me, like, for a lot of my life, I was just kind of, like, rejecting everything. Like, if there's something that they would they would say about like things I was or not was not able to do I would just be like well you don't know anything so whatever I'm not gonna talk to you about this but I would journal those experiences and as I started learning more in school and becoming a researcher and I started to like become more of an observer and becoming very observant around the emotions that I feel and they that, that they feel and how they communicate in their language so sometimes when they're communicating to me they're saying things that, I might find offensive, you know, to be quite frank. But I have to understand that if I put in a few lens, like the cultural lens, like where they came from, their experiences, that is when I put these filters together, then what they're really trying to tell me is that they actually love me, but they they don't know how to communicate that effectively, effectively to me. And I think the first thing I realized is that our communication wasn't good. <laughs> like it, it was speaking in two different languages, even though we were t- speaking in the same language. And it's because of those cultural influences. And, you know, it's 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 avoiding, like, it's just like this thing that I feel like as immigrant children, um, children um, that have come from different cultures and stuff, they know it's just, there's, and it, there's a conversation you're avoiding with your parents. It's just whether it might be one, whether it might be, several years of your life, but you just want to ask them a question, like, why did you do that? Why didn't you just hear me out? I was trying to be independent. I was trying to show you that I got this, but I just didn't feel comfortable. And I sat with that for a little bit. I thought about it a lot. And I thought about like, what great disservice would I do if I just wouldn't have that conversation with them? I can make up a thousand reasons of why I'm upset. You know, I can physically see 10, um, but those, that 10 has now become 100. And now I'm not quite sure." how to like talk to my parents that have raised me, um, have given me everything that I have. And I just feel like I won't be able to appreciate everything that they've done for me without really understanding their identity. And something that's been, I guess, a blessing in my family is that we communicate all the time. If we're upset, it's known. (laughs) If we're really happy, it's known. Like the stories of how they came to America, like what we're doing, their whole experiences have always been known to us. I grew up with these stories what they don't know are our experiences. We were kind of always silent about that. So, you know, once I was able to understand them, help them understand that I understand what they're saying. Like, you know, I, I get it. I understand that when you say you can't go outside because you're a girl, what you're actually trying to say is like, you're afraid of the world because the world isn't as advanced as I think it is. And it's not as idealistic and, you know, depending on what geographic location you live in, the time of the day. I mean, it can go on endlessly. You know, there are some factors that can still impact me. So it's just like, I just started looking at facts and I started looking at maybe there are some commonalities we can talk about and maybe we can start there. So it's like, once I was able to help them understand that I empathize and I understand that they did the best they could, that's when my general kindness came up and I was able to express myself like, hey, like, you guys have been hurting me in these ways. Can we have a conversation about that? And, you know, it wasn't always nice. It was sometimes it was very abrupt, like, hey, we're going to talk. And they are like, well, I'm just trying to watch this TV show. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? But it was like, you know, like the delivery of that conversation and how it had always started, it wasn't always smooth. But I'm, I'm grateful to have that because I feel like at the end of the day, the one thing that I've learned is that, you know, and your parents aren't monolithic. they are some, just like people aren't monolithic, everyone's different. And, you know, if you give them the opportunity to understand you know what you're going through what they have been through and what it means to be american or whatever country you're at um you'll always learn something about each other and i've i've learned a lot about them and that has led to just genuine kindness like i see them as a human first then as my parent before i would see them as my parent and then maybe a human if they're still capable of being a human (laughs) you know what i mean but it took a lot of reflection and um role like understanding their role and like reversing it like what would I do if I was that
1: how do you um see that kind of playing out now that you are going to be a parent yourself have you given some thought about you know how you'd like to raise your child kind of bringing from those two from your two cultures I think like I've thought
2: about this a lot obviously (laughs) and you know thinking about you know culture and the beauty I still associate this with being American is the ability to pick whatever you want and while now that I'm expecting mom I think about like what I would expect from my child and like I have zero expectation but there's a few things that I think I think are important like be a good human being appreciate everyone from every walk of life and also more importantly just have some type of sense of either you know An understanding. If later on in life you have gratitude towards us, great. But you know, like where you come from. And, you know, like for me and my husband, we had the beauty of picking the best traits in the Indian culture, and the best traits in the American culture. But if my child wants to pick other traits from other cultures, feel free to because the more that we learn about other cultures, the more traits that you feel like this is your calling, this is what identifies you, the better that we can all be as a society and as humanity. I think there's a lot of friction that can happen if this, like, especially because we're two different faiths, you know, two different cultures and stuff like that. But I think the more inclusive that you become, the more that you learn about how everyone is just, just the same regardless of how they speak, you know, what religion they practice, it's just what makes you a decent human being. And I think like one of the struggles with like being a South Asian female is that sometimes in your immigrant experiences and being a child of immigrants, there's like one narrative of that South Asian culture that's like spread down your throat. And like, you have to either accept all of it or decline everything else. But I think like I'm seeing more and more now people having the ability and feeling brave enough to accept facets of those experiences and making that their own South Asian experience. And it's because of that. I feel like a lot of people feel more inclusive learning about other South Asian identities, but also just in general, the other identities that are like around the world. Um, but I mean, I, that's what I'm hoping. I just, you know, I would love to be my kid. Like you can do whatever you want, <laughs> pick any, pick any religion, pick any, you know, pick any like cultural identity that you want to pick. Um, as long as you're a decent human being and, you know, you just, appreciate life and you show gratitude towards people that interact with you on a daily basis like I'm okay with that you know
0: and are you are you planning on on raising um, your child bilingual maybe
2: that's like my whole plan so I'm like maybe (laughs) (laughs) somehow but it's like filtered so much so I'm just like (laughs) you know like the way that I have understand you know Punjabi is like it is kind of Americanized unfortunately and the way that My husband understands his language, it's a little Americanized, so our grand scheme is drop them off, like just just only talk to them in Punjabi, do not talk to them in English, and then we're going to talk to our child in English, and with the English fusion that we have, and, you know, like having the grandparents be involved in it to to like the, you know, in the beginning stages can help us learn that, because I do feel you know, one of the decisions that my parents made was making sure that I understood Punjabi and didn't teach me English. I kind of feel like I'm going to do some of that too because I feel like, you know, learning it young and learning the importance of where you come from. My, my mom comes from this section, my dad comes from this section, and I choose to learn A, B, C, D can really help the, um, the the child learn, but also more importantly, it's just like, I don't want to disadvantage them if they have an interest in learning that. If they don't, it's completely fine as well.
0: And and just to close out uh, the interview, uh we, you know, we wanted to ask you about, you know, in your experience in doing, you know, this, the research and writing the book, right? And that's kind of like a self-discovery experience, right? You know, and, 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 and it can be difficult sometimes. It can be, you know, maybe you find out things that you really hadn't thought about and you're realizing things about yourself that you really never confronted before. So we, we wanted to know, you know, what did you learn about yourself? you know, while, you know, writing this book? I feel like
2: even though I was in a pandemic, so that's also number one. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like writing this book, when I was writing it, I learned so much about myself, um, about some of the deep, you know, memories, the experiences that I've just kind of hidden away that I don't think about. And I thought about them in a different lens. There was a lot of emotion. It's just an emotional experience. Um, some are really good emotions. Some are really bad emotions. There'll be days when I'm just sitting there profusely crying. And I, I, and I can't even say why. I'm like, I didn't get my ice cream. My husband's like, we just had ice cream yesterday. I'm like, no, like when I wa- it was, you know, walking the streets, I didn't get my ice cream. And he's just like, yeah, we'll talk later. But it's just like, <laughs> the biggest thing that I learned is that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to like really authentically feel all of those positive and negative emotions to understand your identity and you know why you've chosen to become the person that you are there might be some things you're still you know dealing with healing people it takes a while for people sometimes to like you know overcome some obstacles and some experiences from their childhood and then into their adulthood to like be, be at peace with it but the biggest thing that I learned is that I'm actually pretty tough and I'm actually pretty um in my understanding of like my family, my friends, my community is that the biggest thing that always scared me was just being silent about it because I've been so silent because of the smart Indian concept. And once you have that facade, you don't want to really rip open the bandage. You're like, hey, no one needs to really understand my experiences because I'm technically a smart Indian now. Who cares? I can show this facade and I can die. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no one needs to know about these things. I think it's like a great disservice we do when we don't actually Speak our truth and understand that there are other people that are experiencing this. It, they don't have to be Southern South Asians. It could be anyone that might be experiencing these, um, these conflicts from different, you know, cultural identities that they're just looking for someone to say, hey, I've also experienced this as well. But um, I realized that regardless of a, a negative or a positive emotion, to enjoy and celebrate them both like, equally because they teach you a lot about your upbringing.
1: Thank you so much to Sabri and Rajiv for letting us into her world. You can find Generation Zero at Book Retailers Nationwide.
0: We are so happy to be back in this new season and looking forward to covering new areas of bilingual and bicultural development.
1: To continue the conversation, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Entredos Podcast.
0: Hasta la próxima.
1: Nos vemos. <laughs>